On the eve of another real-world mission, the Thundermen finally get the whole story. Major questions are answered, everything is on the line, and dinner is ruined. We listen to episode 12 of the Adventure Zone graduation, so you know what that means. It's time for Talking Taz. All right, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Taz, your weekly journey through the worlds of the Adventure Zone graduation. With you, as always, is me, your host and producer, PJ, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Lauren. Hi, everyone. Lauren, what'd you think of this week's episode? Oh, my God. This episode blew my mind. We had so many realizations and, I guess, reveals. So it's one of my favorites. Realizations, reveals, and revelations. Is that the name of something? No, it's just what happened. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's so much to cover. Let's just get into it. Yeah. It's just a few days since the last episode, and the Thundermen find out they've gotten the luck of the draw. They're getting the first real-world assignment of the semester. Tomorrow morning, they will get the details and head out. Tonight, though, is some quality corporate bonding time, and Argo is cooking the boys' dinner. He is, which uh, turns out to be a bit of a disaster. (laughs) Yeah. Argo, after researching his fear of rickets, has now learned that other foods can have vitamin C, too, other than citrus. Unfortunately, the only food he discovered was chili peppers. And he is just preparing a large vat of chili peppers for dinner. (laughs) That's, I mean, I know it's because Clint was saying like, they're also very high in, oh, is it citrus? No. Vitamin C. Vitamin C. Thank you. But like, that's such a choice. I mean, like, there's a way to do this that's good. Like, have you ever had blistered shishito peppers? Those are great. I have not. They're super good. I really like them. But that's clearly not what he's making. He's just making a giant pot of chili peppers. (laughs) he very much is he says he doesn't know what uh skull pony unit they are which i think he meant scoville unit i probably travis also interjects and says the dolomite scale instead of the skull pony scale which i thought was really funny (laughs) griffin makes the best joke of all time by saying that middle school dances in 1999 were also rich in vitamin c yikes (laughs) and just an immense joke to say it was more so graduations than school dances which was my first thought too Fitzroy will not be partaking in the chili peppers, as Griffin is great at RP, but not great enough to have a character think that's a good idea. (laughs) Argo offers to make stuffed chili peppers instead, but clarifies they'd just be stuffed with smaller chili peppers. Yeah, I got excited because he's like, oh, they're stuffed. And I was like, oh, okay, stuffed chili peppers, that's fine. With more chili peppers. This is unrelated. Can I say I hate stuffed peppers? You do? Yeah, it's like... You take a bell pepper, because it's usually a bell pepper, mm-hmm. and you put it at its worst consistency, which is, like, warm and soggy, and you just fill <laughs> it with, like, meat and rice, and, like, you think that's going to be a good meal, which it's never, it never is. I, I've i enjoyed them when I've had them, but you make a fair Can point. Can I do clarify this, though? Every time I have tried to eat them, because I've been like, well, maybe the last person just made them bad. Every time I have said the words out loud, this is some white people food. It, yeah, you know what? It is. The the chili pepper (laughs) does get soggy. I can't argue that. And that does kind of bother me. Yeah. Argo does clarify that they're actually stuffed with amla, which are Indian gooseberries and vitamin C rich. And he also says he's made salmon croquettes, which is kind of a throwaway joke. But this is the first time other than the Thunderman Sea Feast that we've seen Argo eat anything other than bread and citrus. It's true. I think it makes sense that he would be very knowledgeable in like seafood and like fish. Yeah, no, for sure. It makes total sense. But it's just the first time it's actually happened other than Thunderman Sea Feast. I want some Thunderman Sea Feast after (laughs) the hype that Fitzroy gave it. Yeah. 
This bit kind of goes hog wild with some solid bits, but like we only have so much time in a day. Mm-hmm. Just know that Argo offers them blood pudding as dessert and the fear bulk has started to eat his chair. Because he doesn't like any of the food. No. Gary interrupts to say there is a letter on the way for Argo coming via Owl, though Gary says this is just a joke. Because it's another Hogwarts reference. Yep. Fearbulg asks Gary how he tastes, and Gary says Gary's aren't for eating, they're for loving. Don't, don't we add? Now, do you think he means that as in, like, we're for loving, or we're like, we're for loving? Like, you, you don't eat a Gary, you hug a Gary. I don't know. I think he means it much more innocently, but that's I don't. not where my mind first went when he said that and i started thinking of your gar going home for the holidays yes movie and the fact that gary can apparently see all three of them as they sleep at the same time and like this is getting so dark so fast (laughs) (laughs) the letter is on argo's bed and the boys question argo on what it is argo tries to play it off as nothing then almost gives in but decides to lie and say this is a letter from a private pen pal potentially imprisoned yeah, maybe in prison. Fitzroy thinks Argo has taken a lover, mm-hmm. and Master Fearbold congratulates him and asks him why he has kept this love hidden. Which is so, like, sweet and innocent and pure. Yeah. Argo lets Fitzroy know they haven't met in person, but have made a connection. Fitzroy is happy for him and asks if they know who it is. But Argo says they're not from here, Fearbold jokingly saying they're from Canada, which is an A-plus <laughs> joke. It was... A great joke. But it is Canada with a K, and it's actually pronounced Canada. Right, right, because it's fantasy Canada. Fantasy Canada. <laughs> right, right. They give Argo his privacy, and he says if things progress, he'll tell them more, but Fitz has already lost interest. Which is such a Fitzroy thing. So good. The letter is from Dendra Maplecourt, a <laughs> response to the letter sent last episode. It is already. Like, I thought we were going to I wasn't have ready to for it wait. to be right away. Yeah. I wasn't either. And then all of a sudden... Here's the answer. I wasn't prepared. She is excited that Fitzroy is making friends, as apparently he had trouble fitting in at Clyde Knights, which I think makes sense, especially considering he was training under the headmaster. People yeah. probably kind of hated him for that. They probably did. There was probably some, like, kids are awful anyway, but especially when they think that someone else is getting special treatment, they're especially awful. Yeah. Ugh. But you know what? She also says that they were like total snobs. And I wonder if like Fitzroy coming here and acting so snobbish was like a defense mechanism. So that he wouldn't get made fun of again? Yeah. Like he was like, they didn't accept me there because I was like some caravaner's son. I'll come here and I'll be the person they can't accept. Whoa. I don't know. I don't. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. Because there's no point where, like, Dedra's like, yeah, Fitzroy's always been much fancier than we've been able to afford or anything like that. No, So, like, I assume she just, she says he was a normal kid. He seems to be very normal. So, she says Fitzroy had a pretty normal childhood, actually devoid of magic. They thought Fitzroy would have to become a long-haul caravaner just like his father Mm -hmm. and were ecstatic when he became a knight for Goodcastle. They took out loans against Jerry's caravan to pay for his tuition. (laughs) Which sucks when you consider, like, A, it's great, actually, because, I mean, Clyde Knights is still a good education, but it's all for the sake of becoming a knight for Goodcastle, which is 100% probably a scam. It is. And the more I hear about all the trouble, like, Fitzroy's parents went to and, like, all of the hope that Fitzroy has put on this place, I want Goodcastle to be real so bad, but I know in my heart that it's, like, not. Yeah. They were just as shocked as anyone when Fitz's wild magic appeared, as Jerry has no magic and Dendra's family has always just had illusory magic. They thought Fitz's dreams were over, but an anonymous benefactor offered to pay Fitz's way through Hieronymus Wiggenstaffs. I was shook. Yeah, I was like, what? Yeah. Like, 
they don't have to pay for the school, which is super cool for them, I'm sure. But like, who's paying for Fitzroy to go here? Yeah, clearly this is, I mean, the fact, like, obviously we learned so much throughout this episode and we've been learning that like, there's a lot of connection between Fitzroy and the Godscar chasm. Mm-hmm. And it does feel like, oh, that's so weird that he would go here. But clearly someone has orchestrated that. They have. This is all very intentional. The only bit we get for the roast is that Fitzroy slept with a blanket named Mr. Blanks until he was seven. Dendra signs off and reveals she has enclosed three sticks of Fitz's favorite hot mint gum and Argo hides the letter. I don't know. I just, I feel so many feelings. Yeah, it's wild revelation. Not even the most wild revelation of the episode. It's not. Upon Argo exiting, he finds the boys eating Burgers King. Very awkwardly, as they were trying to hide that from Argo. Fitzroy says it was due to the Fear Bulk's request, who reveals he has only eaten a tomato slice, but it was excellent. Which reminds me of the Spongebob episode. (laughs) You take off the burger and the patty, and you just leave the lettuce and the tomato, and it is a salad. It's a salad. That's what the Fear Bulk ate. He ate a salad. Hold the lettuce. (laughs) (laughs) Fitzroy rolls well in a perception check and smells hot mint gum as Argo leaves the room. Which stressed me out immediately. I was stressed. Fitzroy offers to toss his burger and eat some gum instead, which is like insane. Like those aren't equivalent items. Right? Like gum doesn't have any nutritional value. Argo says it was supposed to be a surprise, but gives Fitz a stick of gum. He says it is Spicyman's, the brand he had growing up. Argo says he found them on G-Bay, and Travis interrupts him and asks what the G stands for, and Clint sheepishly says Garfield, and Travis is not having it. He was, like, so adamant that, no, no, it's not Garfield. Justin fixes the situation by saying it's Gary Bay, and it's more just asking Gary if any other Gary knows where something is. (laughs) What a system. Yeah. I mean, it is a hive mind. It would actually probably be super efficient. It would be, but they wouldn't be able to, like, send it to you. You would have to go get it yourself. You'd have to go get it, but yeah. Argo gives Fitzroy the other two sticks of gum and says, though not before succeeding on a deception roll, that he bought these for him because he's trying to butter him up as he feels like an outsider in the company. Fitz is the CEO, Fearbulg the CFO, and he wants to be the CCO, the head of communications. Mm-hmm. Master Fearbulg lets Argo know that every member is valued regardless of title. Fitzroy says there's too much to consider in terms of salary and titles and inadvertently reveals that Fearbulg is getting paid more than Argo. And I was like, wait, where is this money coming from? I know. I was like, I'm sorry. You're getting paid? (laughs) You guys are getting paid? (laughs) I thought we had like this whole thing about how the school has the money and like over time there's like interest (laughs) and like, so where is this money coming from? Or is it not money? Is he paying them with something else? I think they're just uh, new boot goofing. No, I think this is canon. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it technically is. They never say they're joking, so it is technically canon. Fitz tries to get the fear bulk to back him up, but he is suddenly gone. He's just gone. He left mid-conversation. Which, you know, doesn't feel out of character for the fear bulk. It doesn't. Fitz thinks the fear bulk was just trying to avoid the confrontation before he eventually realizes, oh no, I know something's going on. Yeah. Master fear bulk is moving almost catatonically through the outside before Higglemiss's outside Gary calls to him to no response, which triggers him to enact the alert system they had agreed upon. The Gary in the room alerts them of Fearbulg's location, and Fitzroy says there are things he hasn't told Argo, and he knows there are things that Argo hasn't told him, but right now he has to go save Fearbulg, and Argo is welcome to come. I, I was sweating listening to this. I was so nervous for everybody. Yeah. 
because who knows what they're rushing into and also like now there is like the acknowledgement of like i'm lying to you and i know you're lying to me but like we need to put that on hold right now yeah he was very upfront with the whole like listen i know this is a ruse we need to set that aside and do something else so clearly this conversation isn't done yeah they head out moving quickly but stealthily through the grounds they make it to right outside of Higglemiss's office, Argo out of breath, and talk to the outside Gary. Fitz still thinks G-Bay is a real thing and almost gives Argo's lie away, but stays focused and asks about the fear bulg. Mm-hmm. Gary says he just went in and they have to save him. Fitz returns to Argo and explains everything, asking outside Gary to cover his ears, which he does, but only because they're friends. That's a, such a nice Gary. I love outside Gary. Yeah. Specifically Higglemiss's outside Gary. That outside Gary is... A cool guy. He is a super cool guy. And when he's going to get his like hat or sunglasses, whatever the fear bull gets him, he's going to be like stylish too. Yeah. Fitzroy also reveals to Argo that he knows he's been sneaking out at night here. Ugh. Argo, due to his classes with Jackal, notices an arcane lock on Higglemiss's door, but is able to easily mitigate it. Fitzroy summons Snippers to aid them, tying a bandana around him. Snippers is excitedly cooking. <laughs> like cooking. And Fitzroy instructs him to make quiet bubbles for daddy, which I just died at. So do you think he's been talking in bubbles this whole time? I think it's just Fitzroy's pet name for the noise he makes. It's him making bubbles. That's pretty cute, though. Uh, And I like that he's like, do it for daddy. Like, he's like such a he's such a little pet owner. He is. I think you mentioned this before where he's like that typical dad who's like, we're not going to get a dog. We're not going to get a cat. And then as soon as they have the animal they love it more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Snippers enters, and through their telepathic link, Fitzroy is able to see Master Fearbulg in a daze, with Hagelmiss speaking to him in a low voice. So they can't make out what is being said. They get a feel of the room and realize it's too small for them to sneak in. As soon as they enter, they'd be seen. Argo suggests pretending to be mind-controlled, too, and Fitz is like, yeah, that's a funny joke, but I'm pretty sure he would know that we're not also mind controlled by him exactly because he's the one who's doing the mind control so he'd be like uh what fitz's plan is a little better it is to start a controlled fire and have argo rush in asking for help Mm -hmm. they talk Mm -hmm. about this for a little too long unfortunately as through snippers we hear higglemas say banana nutmeg to the fear bulg as the door swings open and much to higglemas's surprise there stands argo and fitzroy oh my god i was like literally like sitting up edge of my seat what is gonna happen yeah i was freaking out i was also like i mean like i understood like the banana nutmeg was like some sort of code word mm-hmm. like some like manchurian candidate thing i d- i don't know that reference oh manchurian candidate it's like this there's an old movie and then there was a remake in like the early 2000s it's basically set around like the idea that there were like sleeper agents in the u.s for like the russians and so, like, you could be, like, an everyday normal American citizen, but, like, if you heard the code word, you would, like, your programming would kick it and you would, like, go try to assassinate the president, which is what happens in that movie. Oh, dang. And so, like, that's what's going on here. It's very much, like, the fear bulk is about to go assassinate the president. Oh, man. Like, of the school or of, like, Yeah, Nua? no, of, like, Nua. Oh, I didn't realize they were a democracy. Oh, yeah, no, it's a total democracy. Good for them. <laughs> they try to play up the fire angle but Higglemiss just invites them in Fitz even tries to say yes to go to the bathroom and Higglemiss just offers one in his office they keep protesting but Higglemiss sternly instructs them they all need to enter his office right now Ugh. it's very ominous and scary but the fear bug breaks the tension by asking why is he there like super intense too super intense yeah 
Hagumis begins to talk, and the Fearbulk angrily shouts, Why am I here? before standing at his full height, which he never does, Mm-mm. and casting Shillelagh. Oh my god. Seems like he's about to bust Hagelmiss's head open. Yeah, regardless of what Hagelmiss wants, like, there's gonna be a fight. Yeah. Hagelmiss more nervously asks him to come inside, and the Fearbulk says that before this, he had nothing, and he can't go back to nothing. He will not have a body that is not his own. Oh. Hagelmiss then just says, cinnamon strawberries, and the Fearbulk remembers everything. Oh my god. <laughs> Hello everyone, it's me, PJ, your nondescript neighbor, here as always to thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. Boy oh boy do we learn a ton of new information this episode, in the immortal words of Patrick Starr, things are gonna get crazy. Be here for all of that crazy by keeping up with us on social media. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at TalkinTaz or by searching for TalkinTaz Podcast. Or go to our website, talkin-taz.pinecast.co for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. If you're enjoying the show, tell your friends about it and leave a review on iTunes. It really does help. A few notes from this episode. This was our first time recording remotely, so excuse any weirdness or hiccups. It'll probably take us an episode or two to really get it down, and we appreciate your bearing with us. In the episode, we say that the sleeper agent of the Manchurian Candidate is set to target the president. But after some research, that's not fully the case. Both films actually deal with the attempted assassination of the president-elect in order to make the VP-elect take the office instead. The original stars Frank Sinatra, and the remake stars Denzel Washington. Last week, we left you with a question about embarrassing childhood stories, and I learned none of you can remember them, and I'm not jealous or anything. This week, we'll go back to D&D. Has your DM ever planted a suspicious NPC in your campaign that you either thought was a big bad or isolated before they turned the tables on you and made you realize they were on the right side of the whole time? How did the reveal feel? Were you surprised? Let us know! Now, back to the podcast. With that revelation, Fearbulg is now on Hagelmiss's side, urging the boys to enter the room. They seem suspicious, but finally follow. Hagelmiss apologizes, as he didn't want to get them involved. Before he explains anything, he gives them two options that he has offered to many before. He can either tell them everything and they can help, but they'd be in danger. Alternatively, he can wipe this all from their mind. Fearbulg says he wants to keep his memories this time and live in the truth, and the other boys follow suit. Oh my god. We're, I know like we're on the precipice of something big, but like this entire time, I think I was holding my breath from when the fear bulb was like <laughs> yelling at Higglemiss until Higglemiss yeah. is like, listen, I'll tell all of you, but it's super dangerous and like, mm-hmm. good luck. We learned that 50 years ago, a demon prince attempted to kill Hieronymus. Hagelmiss kind of goes off on a tangent here on how he is so much older than they can comprehend. He remembers when the world was wild, before order entered it. He remembers when heroes did things like save kingdoms and fight demons, not for money, but because they were heroes. Which, again, I mean, this episode is like the show being like, hey, PJ, you remember how since episode one, you've been like, heroism in this world is trash? We're just going to keep telling you how trash it is. Yeah, especially it is as it is now, because from what Hagelmiss is saying, it sounds like it used to be what we know it as here in exactly. our world, where heroes were heroes and villains were evil, but they yeah. changed it to something else. Back on point, the demon prince cursed Hieronymus. Hagelmiss did what he could to save his brother, channeling part of the curse into himself, which is why he looks so much older than Hieronymus. Mm-hmm. Fitzroy jokingly asks if the other part of the curse turned Hieronymus into the dog, and Hagelmiss says yes. <gasps> He's the dog. 
Fitz was just joking, and he is insanely shocked at this revelation. He's like, I was just goofing. What? The the dog is your brother? Argo and the Fearbulg are impressed by how good of a guess that was. They are confused, though, as Hieronymus is at the school and gives inspiring speeches and whatnot, which actually would put him in the top three most inspiring dogs the Fearbulg has ever met. Number one being Lassie, and two being Littlest Hobo. I've not, I do know Lassie. I've not seen Littlest Hobo. He's basically Canadian Lassie, as the Fearbog lets us know. Though I guess that would be Canadian Lassie. In this world, yes, it would be Canadian. Hagelmiss clarifies that that isn't his brother. He and his brother have been holed up in this office for 50 years now. The day after the curse affected them, two events happened. A new Hieronymus appeared at the school, and the world broke, creating the Godscar Chasm. I was so shook yeah this is a lore dump baby it is for some reason everyone believes the godscar chasm has been there forever but it hasn't which is insane like that's a wild revelation because we have kind of been told like it's been here forever even the unbroken chain was like it's been here forever and 50 years ago it started leaking is all they think is all they think but actually 50 years ago it was created yeah like that that is like you were saying, that's like mind-blowing. That's like the Grand Canyon just appearing one day and then everyone thinking it's been there forever when it hadn't been. Mm-hmm. He was just dealing with all of this by essentially doing nothing until the fear bulk arrived. And when he spoke to Hero and found nothing strange, it alerted Hagelmiss to his fears becoming true. The transformation was becoming permanent. His brother was going to be a dog forever. Yeah. He needed to cure his brother, but he didn't have the components. He couldn't trust the teachers, but he could trust the fear bulk as he is completely honest. However, that is also the downfall of the Fearbulg. Yeah. So they came up with a plan. The Fearbulg would help, but as to not spill the beans, Hagomis would wipe his mind of their meeting and bury any instructions into his subconscious. Which, okay, I was relieved because, like I've said before, Hagomis was one of my favorites, and I was devastated by the fact that he could have been a bad guy but now that this is like something that seems so sinister but was actually more innocent i'm so happy yeah no it's a lot better <laughs> he says the fear can confirm he gave consent but fitzroy isn't having it he says if you can manipulate his mind how do we know you didn't create those false memories of him giving consent also where's leon i mean that is the question i think on everybody's mind yeah Hagelmiss calls the hawk, the same one that gave Fitzroy Leon's brooch, and reveals that this is Leon. It's Leon! I was so happy that he was back. I mean, I'm sad he's a hawk, but I'm glad he's back because I love Leon. Yeah, especially because Hagelmiss seems to only be able to create a certain amount of the spell, right, with, like, components, and he hasn't been able to turn his brother back from a dog in 50 years. So, like, sorry, Leon, you're a hawk for 50 years, bud. Well, no, that's not it. That's not it? No, it's he can turn them into this cre- these creatures at will, but he's never been able to make the return spell because he hasn't had the components. As soon as he has the components, he can make it and he could just do it. Like forever? Well, yeah, because he'll have enough components to probably do it more than once at the very minimum. I'd hope so. Because usually with spells... But, you... And again, the problem was just he had perfected it, but he couldn't leave. So he's been perfecting it for 50 years. He's just started having the fear bulk collect the ingredients over the last three months. Okay, so Leon will be, he'll be back to being a human. Sooner rather than later, but probably after Hieronymus. Yes, because Hieronymus is becoming permanent. Yes. Fitzroy calls Hagelmiss Animorphs and says he calls dibs on Woof for when he eventually unwillingly transforms him. (laughs) 
Is that what you would turn into if you had your choice of animal? No, if I had my choice, I would turn into a stag. Oh, that makes more sense. You like stags. My favorite animal. Yep. He says Leon is fully aware of what's going on and has been doing some spying for him. He is transformed to protect him. Knowing what they now know puts them in danger, and this is all he can do to protect them. Argo understands, and he asks Fearbulg if the story is true. The Fearbulg confirms it. Justin asks for clarification as to why Higglemiss hasn't just revealed this to the world, uh, assuming that he would have already told Fearbulg this, but he obviously doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Travis lets him know it would be hard to prove that your dog is actually your brother and that the man everyone sees is an imposter, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Especially for such a trusted public figure. Exactly. It sounds like Hieronymus is really important in this world. Mm-hmm. And for someone to come up and be like, that's actually not who you think it is, I think would. It's my dog. That's my dog. <laughs> exactly. It sounds insane. It does sound crazy. This, along with all of the manipulation going on, made Higglemiss a shut-in, increasingly paranoid that something would happen to him or his brother, especially considering he doesn't know who is working for the Demon Prince and who to trust. Mm-hmm. Fitzroy asks Fearbulg why he's willing to do all of this. He's a good person, but he's sacrificing a lot for this cause. The Fearbulg says, give a thousand for nothing. This is the Fearbulg's code. Which I love. I love that Justin keeps like sprinkling all of these like Fearbulg society things into his role playing. And he even says it in Fearbulg first and then translate it. He does. It's so sweet. Yeah. To clarify, this was fully Fearbulg's decision. Fitzroy asks him to transform Leon back, but Higgumis again clarifies he needs components to undo the spell. Argo says he doesn't like the idea of the Fearbulg doing all of this on his own, and Fitzroy agrees, but asks, what's in it for them? Higgumis asks, don't you want to be a hero? I loved that. I loved that so much. I loved it too. Fitzroy did not. <laughs> no, he's not having it. Fitzroy says he knows those labels basically mean nothing. A plus Fitzroy. And what he wants is to be a knight in absentia. Hegelmiss seems like a great principal or whatever, but his brother turning into a dog isn't really his biggest concern. Hegelmiss clarifies if he wants to truly be a hero or if it's just a title to him, which was ooh, so yeah, good. That's like, you know, touche. Yeah. He can wipe their minds and they can go back to their day to day and get their title. But if they want to be heroes, he hopes they'll help him. Fitzroy says that is some strong emotional manipulation, which I agree. Yeah. And there is a third option, which is just leaving and knowing what they know. Higgumis apologizes for what he's about to say, as he knows it's going to sound threatening, Mm -hmm. but that's not an option. They cannot leave here knowing what they know if they are not going to help. Which all of them agree does sound intimidating. Yes. But also, if I was in Higgumis' position, like, I get it. Yeah, because now that's people that could potentially out you, you know? Yeah, this is a secret you have kept hidden for 50 years to protect you and your brother's life. And now three students could just ruin all of that. Yeah. He implores them to look at the bigger picture. This isn't just about stopping his brother from becoming a dog. Someone tore the world asunder and it's leaking wild magic. They kind of go back and forth here with Higgumis basically being like, isn't it crazy that wild magic is only found in the God's Carcasm and in you? And for some reason, Fitzroy just doesn't understand him and thinks that Higgumis is implying that Fitzroy somehow created the God's Carcasm. And I'm like, why is that what you're getting from this conversation, Fitzroy? Right? I was like, that is not at all. That is not what he's he's saying. saying. No. (laughs) And yeah, he's getting super defensive, but... Master Fearbulk implores Higglemiss to talk about his brother. We get a very beautiful speech here mm-hmm. where Higglemiss says Hieronymus is the greatest person he's ever known. And he says that with no hyperbole, no grandeur, just a fact. And he started this school to train the next generation of heroes. Fitzroy snarkily interjects that he also trained villains, 
But Hegelmus lets him know that that wasn't the case at first. Hegelmus says if he could have, he would have just died so his brother could continue on because he knows the best version of this world is one where his brother is its hero. Oh my god, I'm crying. It's so good. Fearbulg says that this is what convinced him to help, to let himself be manipulated. Hieronymus is worth the sacrifice. I don't know if you thought of this when you listened to this beautiful speech, but I definitely did. Do you think part of this was Travis talking about his own brothers? Oh, I don't know. I could see that, actually. He really does love his brothers. The three of them are very, very close. And it wouldn't surprise me if Higglemiss's devotion to Hieronymus and how much he looks up to him and like reveres him is part of Travis and how he feels about his brothers. I don't know. That's a cute way of thinking about it. I had... I'm not saying it's wrong or anything. I'm just saying like, wow, I I hadn't considered that. And I really like that. Yeah. It made me all the more emotional <laughs> listening to it. Because I was like, Travis. Argo says he is in and will do anything he can. Fearbulk says that this will look really good on Argo's quarterly evaluation. <laughs> and Argo says that'll be a bonus. And Fitzroy's like, please don't talk about bonuses. You're not getting a bonus. <laughs> Doesn't he say something about how that like stresses the Fearbulk out? Uh, I think it stresses him out. <laughs> especially if he's the one who's fronting all this cost yeah Fitzroy once again asks what's in it for him and basically asks to get a diploma as soon as they save his brother Hegumus agrees and Fitzroy says if he had just offered that first he would have been down right away oh Fitzroy he honestly would have just done it for some credit hours because honestly of course they were going to help Which I liked that because it was like oh they were going to help like I I don't know it was Fitzroy kind of just I don't know, kind of playing into his villainous like learnings because part of the villain track is complete the mission, but get something for yourself out of it. Yeah. And that's what he did here. He did. You know, he he like bargained for what he wanted and something to like help him on his journey. But I don't know, listening to it, he sounded so sincere in the fact that he's like, no, I'm not going to help you. And no, I don't care about this dog. I don't care if he is your brother. So I don't know how much of it was just Fitzroy trying to save face. I don't think it was, honestly. It felt very genuine when he was like, honestly, I would have done it for credit hours. And honestly, I was going to do it anyways. I mean, I think there is a grain of truth, right? In any lie, there's a grain of truth. And I think mm-hmm. until Hegelmiss explained the ramifications, I think he was like, why do I care if your dog turns into a brother? I mean, your brother turns into a dog. Or vice versa. I mean, either way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He says this is a great opportunity for the Thundermen to prove themselves on a huge adventure. He also gets Hegelmus to sign his artificing permission slip. Hegelmus says, of course, he doesn't care. He's happy to let them cost the school any amount of money, which excites Fitz. Understandably. Understandably. Like, yeah, that's a huge cost. Yeah. They go a little wild here, though, and Fearwog asks for a permanent hall pass, the legendary item he heard of from his friend Derek. Okay, he didn't like the name Derek. Remember when we were trying to give that to him in the beginning you know what it's because he has a friend named Derek already he can't have two Dereks. okay so the fear bulk has Derek, and argo had steven before he was kicked out yep is fitzroy just like alone well he has these guys and rainier and rainier. leon oh my god his squire his hawk squire hawk squire hawk squire <laughs> i would i would watch that show hell yeah hell yeah fitzroy wants a private crepery in their dorm and Hegelmus clarifies that he can give them anything within reason, not just like a water slide in their dorm, which Fitz says he'll add to the list before he goes and gives tummy rubs to Hero. Oh. Which Hegelmus does clarify, Hero loves tummy rubs. I mean, if I was a dog, I would too. Hegelmus reminds him that he is a very powerful wizard, so maybe not be so cavalier with him. He says the fear bulk has basically gotten him everything he needs, but there is one missing item. 
That is what the assignment they have been called for tomorrow is. He pulled a few strings and got them put on this mission. There are two centaur tribes on the brink of war. Every year, their sacred tree grows two apples, each taking one. This year, only one apple grew. Somehow, they have to get that apple for themselves and get it to Higglemas, which I was like, that's hard. What? Yeah, this sounds like an impossible thing that he's asking for. Like, you're literally saying, these two peoples are about to go to war because there's only one of these, and I need you to make it so that there's zero of them. And bring that to me. Exactly. Insane. I cannot wait to hear these episodes because that's going to be wild. Oh, yeah. No, I am so excited to hear how and if they accomplish this. Yeah. But as a player, I was already like, you want me to do what? You want me to do what? (laughs) Fearbulk feels this isn't the action of a hero and wants to know what the apples mean to the tribes. Hegelmas is very dismissive of it. He's like, it just means balance and blessing and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, that's messed up. Yeah, like that's something that they believe in. You can't just dismiss it just because you don't believe in it. Yeah, but to him, it is the last ingredient in this powerful spell that could change everything. Mm-hmm. I I get it. I understand why he's so desperate to get it. And he's like, no, it's just like a religious thing. Don't worry about it. But these boys are going to have to worry about it because they have to get it. Yeah, they agree to do it, and Fitzroy starts coming up with plans to replace the apple with one from home. The Fearbulg asks if they will be honest with their intent, and Hickleman says he doesn't believe so, and Fitzroy confirms that. Fearbulg says not to tell him the plan at all, because he cannot lie. He can't. That's a smart move. He honestly is almost like, actually, maybe wipe my memory again, but he's like, no, 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 no. I don't want my my memory wiped again. Yeah, because then he's going to like get all aggro like he was before if he doesn't remember this conversation yeah Hegemus instructs them not to let the fear bulk out of their sight and to especially not let him be questioned alone or directly if he is just knock him unconscious which i feel like would be super suspicious yeah that's such an extreme thing to do because like imagine if like someone important is interrogating the fear bulk and you just knock him unconscious and you're like it's because he had nothing important to say Oh, no, he does this sometimes. He just, like, fades. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, I'll take him away. We start to fade, and as they finish talking, we have a startling realization. As the fear bug looks up and says, the bug, Althea Song, knows everything. Because I hadn't even thought of that. I don't think anyone had. No, and I think all of a sudden Justin was like, oh, no. So we'll see how that resolves, because that's the end of the episode, y'all. That is the end of the episode, but, like, it- it's not like the biggest cliffhanger, but that's still... I think it's pretty big. They just got... They just learned every piece of lore that is pivotal to the plot of this story. Like, we literally just started learning, like, Hieronymus is fake. There is a demon lord that has power, and he created the God's Chasm. And they have to go, like, steal this, like, sacred apple from these tribes that are about to go to war. Mm-hmm. Like, that's big stuff. And the head investigator for the Heroic Oversight Guild now knows all of it. That's true. Okay, I amend my statement. It was... It's a pretty big cliffhanger. God, what an episode. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Like I said before, I'm so relieved that Higglemas is actually a good guy. I'm blown away by the fact that Hieronymus isn't Hieronymus. So yeah, no, I had uh, I had a really good time. I'm excited to see where it goes, but I'm also very nervous. Yeah, we're rounding the corner. We're at episode 12 now. Like, you know, things are going to start picking up because we're starting to get into like the third, like a quarter or a third of the way through the series, I imagine. Yeah. And I mean, they're level, they're level four right now. So if this is only like a 15-ish level campaign, then that makes sense. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to wait and find out. 
We hope you enjoyed the episode and we hope you'll join us again next week. I've been PJ. I've been Lauren. And we'll see you next Thursday when we are once again talking Taz.